edition of the Deeper Dive podcast produced locally here in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in La Plata, Maryland. My name is Bill Winnell, once again joined by Father Scott Woods. Hello, Bill. And Father Jack Berard. Hey, Bill. Today we're going to discuss Humanae Vitae. Uh, there's a lot more to the document than most of us know it for what we know it for. And uh, Father Jack. All right. Thanks, Bill. You know, so... The, the document Humani Vitae, which is famous for obviously for um, for making the act of saying that oral contraception is is not a morally permissible thing for Catholics to use, right? And it's very important. Those words were very carefully chosen. <laughs> um, that that um, that Humani Vitae didn't ban contraception. That's always been the case. Uh, they banned o- the pill. This new technology. Of saying that's still a form of contraception in the in the marital act, see, because every Christian um, throughout the world up until the Anglicans broke said that that contraception is always and everywhere immoral. No, in their case, they were thinking prophylactic condoms and IUDs, all those things. Um, and then the Anglicans said at the Potsdam Conference, I believe, no, not Potsdam, um, Lambeth, Lambeth, Lambeth Conference. Conference. Potsdam, I think, was a World War II act, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, in 1930, they said in Lambeth. Uh, that inside marriage, it was okay. Now, they're the only ones who did that. <laughs> Everybody else stayed against it. Uh, and Catholics have always and everywhere um, stayed, stayed away from contraception use, inside or outside of marriage. Now, that, that means, by, by our own definition of what the magisterium is, that under the ordinary use of the magisterium, the teaching authority of the church, that contraception is immoral to use for Catholics. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> there's this new technology in 1968, which I kind of, I, I, I don't know, it's, it's 53 years. But I remember when I, by fluke, in, in the 50th year of, of the, the promulgation of this document, uh, I, I had all of the parish masses up at my first assignment up near Rockville. And the parochial vicar at the parish next to me, his pastor was away, my pastor was away, and then the one even next to him, that pastor was away. Oh my goodness! So, <laughs> so while the pastor is away, the parochial vicars play, and all of us preached against contraception. And we we kind of came together like the next whatever Tuesday or Wednesday at dinner or whatever, and we're like, so everybody in the area heard about you know why contraception is immoral. We were like, good job, guys. You know, That's awesome. um, You know, good good honoring of the fiftieth year of this this truly courageous document. You know. Um, because for those who don't know the history, it's it's kind of important. I remember actually in college being confused by this one time because we had a, a guy ended up being a math professor. And I went to a secular university, but this math professor who um, he was, you know, one of these guys who daily mass goer, but um, always seemed to be going to daily mass to <laughs> to fight the church. <laughs> it was kind of a strange mm-hmm. um, thing, and so he like grabbed me aside and he like explain to me the history of Humani Vitae from a very secular point of view. Because what's important to remember is that uh, Pope St. Paul VI actually went against his advisors on this. Um, so um, there was a, he called together a commission of theological experts, of bishops and, and lay theologians, and said, what is your opinion on, on contra- oral, con- oral contraception, the pill? And they said, seems to be fine inside of marriage. And then, as a reminder, the church is not a democracy. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a bureaucracy, although there is a very heavy bureaucracy. But um, 
and the Pope came out and, and, and kind of to the shock said, actually using my authority and as a charism of the Holy spirit, I, I can't do it. Right. Like I, it's just not something that uh, fits within Catholic teaching to use the pill as a contraception. Um, yeah, if I remember right too, it was, <clears throat> it was uh 60, there might've been 60 something people mm-hmm. on that commission. I think all but four yeah. said, you should do this. Mm-hmm. Not even that just permit it, but you should uh, do this. And, uh, it was quite shocking to many people when he went with the four, but the four made some pretty strong arguments also. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and like, I think it ended up getting published in secular newspapers, this report, this commission. Um, and, and, but it goes kind of to serve that, you know, we don't just follow, <laughs> you know, sociological trends. We don't, uh, as much as like, there may be a lot of rumblings because advisors say things. It's it's up to the Pope to have that final say, to be that guarantor and, and unifier in the faith. Um, as Paul VI, you know, really did witness to very strongly in this document. Um, and so, I mean, it's just kind of worth kind of keeping that in the back of our mind that, like, this wasn't really a, a necessarily an easy decision for him to make, but it really kind of highlights the beauty of the document itself. You know, is that this this wasn't just the result of, um, as we sometimes see, <laughs> other theologians writing the, the document and then him signing his name to it. This was very much ha- had to have been him sitting down and saying, what exactly, as, as the vicar of Christ, what exactly needs to be said to the people throughout the world? Um, and, and not to say there's not other documents like that, <laughs> but, you know, we we all kind of, joke when we read certain papal documents going, yeah, he didn't write that, <laughs> you know, uh, you can, I can tell you who wrote that. And, and, you know, the ghostwriters of recent documents are actually pretty well known. So, um, so yeah, so now, I mean, we want to just jump right let's in, jump, jump right in, jump yeah, right in, let's go for it. So, so first I think we gotta, uh, gotta look at this as, um, kind of a very interesting, cause it talks about the, the problem and competency of the magisterium. So, you know, kind of what we're talking about already a little bit of like what the teaching authority of the church is. Like that's, that's what that Latin word means. Father Larry, if you're listening, that's what magisterium <laughs> means. Um, that, uh, that it is this, this ability to teach what we would say, usually we say authentically, but it means authoritatively in the church, like without doubt. Um, and there's kind of, you know, there's basically two ways. There's the ordinary, which is the church just always has said it and without any need to define it in what we would call an extraordinary act of the magisterium. So things like councils, encyclicals of the Pope, <coughs> the Pope speaking ex cathedra, which doesn't happen but four times in the history of the church, I think. <laughs> and, uh, and, and yeah, so that, so in this, this is kind of sits on this edge. It's, it's definitely an extraordinary act of the magisterium because it is an encyclical, which is defined solemnly. But it is also kind of a recognition of what the church has always taught. Um, really a defense of what she's always taught. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, But and that's kind of, you know, and, and we look at it because, you know, moral moral things kind of get us, I think, a little bit in a tizzy. <laughs> but, but even, like, that's how all of our doctrine has been defined, right? Like, until something gets challenged, we don't say anything. Like, the divinity of Christ wasn't, wasn't really formally defined until Arius in the 4th century. You yeah, know? and I, this is a bad analogy, but it did remind me just... Briefly, initially, 
almost to the Supreme Court, you know, mm. think in, in so much as um, until it, some, some situation arises to that level there, you know, and, and makes its way up through there and then they rule. And I was, I was just kind of thinking of this, not in any way comparing the, the process to the, you know, to the, to the judicial, but in some cases it, it you know, until something arises to the level that, that someone has to say something in this case, you know, a, more of a clarification, I guess, like you said, a, or a defense of current church teaching. Especially with the new science. I, I remember when I took a moral Catholic moral theology, uh, medical ethics in seminary, and we were like, where's the book? And he said, there, we, we can't, no book can keep up with what's happening <laughs> right now. And so we have to read articles and we have to read what other <clears throat> theologians and others are saying. Um, and because it's just medical science is moving so fast and it's challenging the conception of uh, so many things that, that were held um, so clear and, and, and it's challenging them. And so uh, we're constantly having to read and, and study and pray. And the church can is really struggling at times to keep up with what uh, science is doing. So, yeah. Yeah, and and I think that's why. I mean, that's why we have such such great confusion sometimes. That's why it's important to to have principles down and not just, <laughs> just not just the law, right? I think that's that's um, that's one of the gifts of of Christ to be able to say, um, you know, definitively that I will write the law in your heart and not on stone. Is that it's not going to be external to you. You'll know what to do um, after being formed by me. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we kind of. We've run into this problem a lot in moral theology over the last, I don't know how many decades now, um, of saying the conscious is king, and and it is, after it's been formed, after it's been formed. after that's it's been key. baptized, uh, uh, and that's something that I think you know I, I love when somebody tries to quote uh, Saint John Henry Newman on that because he was he's one of the big promoters oh, of, yeah. of the the infallibility of the conscience, but he also knows what that means, uh, and. I'm going to guarantee that most people couldn't read John Henry Newman because he's one of the most difficult people to read I've ever read. I mean, he's, I mean, incredibly profound, but it is not, you know, it's not picking up Scott Hahn and, and being like, Oh yeah, I get this. You know, this is, this is like, you know, everybody who, anybody who can truly understand John Newman is basically a doctoral student. I mean, he's just, but he is just so important and, and he's writing in English. So I don't know why it's so hard to read. <laughs> it's not like it's a translation but um great so let's 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 just turn into um turn into some of these principles that um that that saint paul saint pope saint paul uh discusses right so he talks about um the the god's loving design in in paragraph eight if you want to follow along one of the things i think maybe it might be good to remember is that this document's not long. Um, if you've tried to read modern church documents, you're like, I don't have time to read a book on ecology or, <laughs> or, or whatever it's been out. This is, I think, 17 paragraphs long. I mean, I think it's four pages. It's one of the shortest ever written, I think, and, and, and certainly one of the most beautiful, too. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is kind of one of these things, that, I mean, uh, we, it, we tend, I mean, it seems very... It can be very unpastoral, but it, I, I almost am tempted often to use it in marriage prep to be able to say, read the actual document just because there's so much more depth than just a one line, don't use the pill. <laughs> um, there's a lot of principles to to it. So, um, so 
starting in the, the beginning of paragraph eight, married love particularly reveals its true nature and nobility when we realize that it takes its origin from God, who is love, the father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. So, you know, I, I think this is, this is part of, part of what's been lost in culture in general. Um, but also something that, you know, a little bit in the church, we, 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 we kind of lose sight of the unity of the supernatural and the natural. I mean, I just think there's, there's quite a bit to even just that little line of yeah. <laughs> just saying like, like, it's not that we named God father because, because we've seen a father on earth. It's the exact opposite. You know, it's, it's, we draw our, our image of the family and we draw all things because of what the father has shown. Um, yeah. And, and the, that we live in a, in a very dualistic uh, world where the spiritual is often separated uh, from the physical. And so you can kind of, I've met people very, you know, I'm very spiritual and they'll have like this spirituality that's very separated from the moral living of right and wrong in the world. And not just among people who are more new age, but even sometimes among Christians, they can be uh, seemingly so spiritual. They, they have this whole spirituality. Maybe you can go to church, but when it comes to li- striving to really live out um, the full teachings of Christ in terms of, uh, especially in, in the areas of human sexuality and, and other ways of treating their neighbor, it can it can suddenly become very fuzzy. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, this is why I think uh, Archbishop Walton Sheen, God bless him, uh, said, uh, most people who leave the church don't leave the church over the uh, over the uh, creed, but mm-hmm. over the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that living out. I feel like I just need to memorize all of his works, you know, like he just, gosh, he had a way, you know? Oh my goodness. Uh, You look at him today, you look at anything he he did and it's like, he must've, how in the world we're still dealing with these same issues. Yeah. 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 I always tell people, one of my favorite books of all time, we're getting off topic, but that's okay. uh, (laughs) Is is life of Christ by Fulton Sheen. Yeah. I think that, I think that's like, one of the top five most important books for any, any like new Christian to read and new Catholic to read, like read the Bible for sure. Top, you know, maybe the catechism, but honestly, the life of Christ is just so eye opening. It brings it all together. Old and new Testament, the church, the fathers, just everything. And turning back to, to um, Pope St. Pope St. Paul, that there is this uh, kind of, there's a, a real sense of, a much deeper theology than I think he's given credit for because he turns in that same paragraph to, he says, the consequence, husband and wife, through the, that mutual gift of themselves, which is specific and exclusive to them alone, develop that union of two persons in which they perfect one another, cooperating with God in the generation and rearing of new lives. And, you know, recently I read a book on, on like the theology of creation and, you know, light reading as one does. <laughs> And, and there was, this you got that from father Larry, right? Obviously, <laughs> obviously. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you're busting on him too. I feel like, good like thing this, this isn't live. <laughs> my phone would be blowing up right now. I, yeah. Um, yeah. This is just so great that there's somebody else to bust on father Larry. Um, <laughs> no, but, um, and they said like, this is the height of the vocation of man because it's, it's something, the uh, procreation, right? This, giving over of oneself and creating new life is is legitimately the height <laughs> of what we have to offer because only God can create from nothing and and the the cre- procreation that's working with God 
Um, but the unifying of two to make a new life is something that is undone that is not done anywhere else and cannot be like manipulated, you know, and, and there is just such a, a beauty to, and a height to that vocation of it's, it's kind of as close as man gets to God uh, is, is this, um, this, not only the act, but the whole act of, of creating and, and rearing a new child, um, which is why we spend so much time on this <laughs> is that, is that the act is, um, is, I mean, we won't go, wouldn't go as far as to say sacred, but it is very revealing. Um, it, it very much shows who, who God is and how he acts. And, um, it's not, I, I love, I love when somebody says to me that church's teaching on sex is about control. I just think it's so funny because I'm just like, I don't think you understand how little I care. Like, like, like I'm not trying to be funny. Like, tell me your sins, but at the same time, I want to hear less about it. <laughs> you know, like, like, and, and I, I, I used to joke, but I, I kind of stopped joking a little bit because I think people got tired of it. But I'm like, I don't get paid more if you, if you follow the rules. Like I don't, I don't get a bonus. The Bishop doesn't pat me on the back. Like, like there is no benefit for me to teach this stuff uh, on earth. <laughs> I mean, I got, I got my, my duty and my vocation, but like, I think it's, I always, I just find it so amusing almost when somebody's like, Oh, it's about church. Church just wants to control us. I'm like, really? Like for what end? You know, but I don't know. Yeah, and, and I think that's why even the young people, whenever I talk with them about the church's teaching and human sexuality, and talk about freedom, mm-hmm. and they just that word, and they go, "What?" You know, I, I thought the church's teachings were about binding me. No, 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 they're about freeing you to really be human, to really love, to receive love, and to give love, and that's really what this encyclical is about. Right. Turning to the next paragraph, it says, "It is also, and above all, an act of the free will." whose trust is such that it is meant not only to survive the joys and sorrow of daily life, but also to grow so that husband and wife become in a way one heart and one soul and together attain their human fulfillment, right? That fulfillment is that freedom. Exactly. It's, it's that beauty to say it, the, cause in, and, and Pope John Paul II was, would become much, even much more firm on it of saying like, you know, it's, it's not a freedom to do like a liberality to do whatever we want, but it's a freedom to choose the good. You know, um, that, that's the problem of, of, of other, you know, teachings on sexuality is they don't actually have an end. <laughs> they just have this, do what you want and it'll be fine. Oh, we've, we've seen that it's not true. <laughs> we've seen exactly. uh, that, that it doesn't necessarily lead to, to human fulfillment or, or even emotional happiness oftentimes. I mean, I, I hate to say it that way, but it, and I'm not blaming it totally on this, but, um, but when we start walking away from God, like eventually it really does come, come to this point of, of, of great chaos of, of, of great despair. Yeah. Because there's the promise of, of something so much more. And then there's the emptiness uh, that's found with the lack of God and the lack of his grace and the person that has this great disappointment. And then I think that that's when they start thinking, is there anything that will fulfill me? Because Mm -hmm. society has told me, this is, you know, this this fulfillment of the things of the body, of the flesh alone, should fulfill me interiorly. And now I've gotten it all, and it doesn't. And that's when you see this profound despair enter into social, the Western culture in particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, yeah, because the human sexuality, the church's teaching on human sexuality speaks about, like, what man is, in a sense, right? Like you kind of mentioned, it's that, 
uh, when it, all it is is about the natural, the material. Well, man isn't just natural and material. Man is a composite being also of spirit, right? Um, I forget. I wish I got to remember which church father used to describe man as on the horizon between earth and heaven mm. because, because he has, he has every natural and material um, well, appetite and, and power. Um, but then he also has the spiritual power of, of knowledge that is greater than just intuition that the animals have and that he can communicate with the divine in a way that, that you know, animals can recognize the divine, but they don't communicate with him. Um, and so he kind of sits right on that horizon of the angels and of earth, even though he's very much on earth. <laughs> um, but, but God doesn't take on the, uh, the appearance of any animal or of anything on earth. He doesn't even take the appearance or the, the um, body of an angel. He takes on the flesh of man. You know, we're, we're raised in great dignity to this. So um, it is, it, when we talk about these things, it's, it's for that sake to be able to say, this is what man is. And the Pope kind of talks about several reasons for marriage, but in, in that last little mini paragraph of paragraph nine, he says, this love is fecund, which is one of my least favorite church words, because I don't know why we don't just say fruitful. <laughs> but, uh, but he says, finally, this love is fecund. It is not confined wholly to the loving interchange of husband and wife. It also contrives to go beyond this, to bring new life into being. That, that we're, we're, we know we're not supposed to live selfishly, you know, in every other aspect of our life. And yet for some reason here we think, no, 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 it's okay. Um, mm. And I think that that's part of this is just like it's an openness to, to uh, keeping that same desire to live for others, even in the sexual act, which is challenging for sure um, at times. But that doesn't mean it's not worth, <laughs> worth attaining. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I remember, um, I remember, so... Father, I know you're you. You've got what, one sister, right? Yeah. Okay. So I come from. I mean, I come from a big family. I got five sisters, four brothers, right? And I, I, I think you probably remember maybe three or four years ago, uh, maybe even a little longer at this point. But Pope Francis got into a little bit of hot water because he said Christians don't need to reproduce like bunnies, mm, right? Yeah, I remember and, that. <laughs> and I remember looking at it going like, "Dude, are you serious? Like, like now you're busting on my mom for having like a lot of kids?" And I'm like, I'm like, "Geez, man." Like, foot and mouth and like he did kind of he kind of apologized afterwards but but you know this is this is where because the next paragraph is on responsible parenthood right of of how how we're called then to um you know not not reproduce like bunnies which is not really the church but that's fine um <laughs> uh you know that this idea of like because well, you know the that when we think about the love is meant to be fruitful, the first reaction I think of most people is like, well, it's not that I'm being selfish. It's that I'm being responsible, right? Mm -hmm. I'm Especially nowadays, there's a huge amount of pressure that you, know, you see those statistics like uh, you, in order to have children, you have to recognize you're going to have to spend like 200 and something thousand yes. dollars per child. And if you don't have that, your well, first year, your first year, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you don't have that. then you're irresponsible for right. even thinking of having, I, I knew, I mean, I know moms of large families who even struggle going shopping because they get looks and nasty looks. And mm -hmm. one of a young woman, uh, people even confront her oh, yeah. and in front of her children and berate her. 
for being so irresponsible. Yeah. Yep. And and there and I, it it is. It's a huge challenge of of the modern world in terms of, you know, how to how to live faith. I mean, my yeah. I mean, I've seen it. <laughs> I mean, and 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 really gross comments. I mean, to to children. I mean, like, I remember as like a middle school, like they were like, "Oh, your parents must love." And I'm like, "Are you serious? Like, like who says that? Oh, you don't own TV? Like, well, first off, like." Is your TV watching better than your sex life? Because there's a whole new issue if that's the case. <laughs> like, and and I'm not, but I don't. You know, you can't respond like that because that's that lacks a lot of charity. But you can on a podcast, evidently. Um, but, especially this one. Especially this one. Uh, we need a mute button. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, yeah. I mean, I think there is. But but so like, how do we how do we promote? I think maybe you know, marriage Trevor is something that comes up a lot of like, well, I, I want to be responsible. In, in the amount of kids kids that I have to be able to. Yeah, and that's why I always say that, you know, that because there can be the application of, a, of even a contraceptive mentality to this teaching that one has, that we've seen in recent years that one has to watch out for, where, whereby, you know, are there good reasons to have children? No, no, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Are, there, are, there, are there, the only reason we would not have more is there, there needs to be always evaluation of there, are there, major reasons or good reasons not to at this time be as open to life, always open, but not as open. And therefore to use the natural means that the Lord has built into the human body. And, and uh, when couples come to me about this, I was like, well, you know, the church sets up a number of standards we see through not just this document, but the, the documents that, that come afterwards under John Pope, Pope St. John Paul II. Um, and so it's important to, to recognize those. There, there can be, you know, your country's in war. Yeah. You know, there's a famine going on. Um, there's a major um, mental health issues going on within the marriage or within the, an individual within the marriage, the struggles to already raise the children you have. I mean, there can be financial, number of things like that. But that, that then becomes something the couple together discerns with the Lord and in the Lord. Right, right. And in, 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 in the document, it says physical, economic, psychological, and social conditions. Uh, that's when responsible parenthood is exercised by those who prudently and generously decide to have more children and by those who, for serious reason, and with due respect to moral precepts, decide not to have additional ch- children for either a certain or indefinite amount of time. That, you know, I mean, we're <laughs> th- this teaching is not meant to be authorita- or, or, um, authoritarian. You know, it's not meant to be never and, and there is no other option. Like, just follow, the, you know, just keep doing it. it it's every, every aspect of our life has to have these virtues of, of prudence, but also charity, yes. of being able to say, I, I, I want to express the fruitful love of God with my own children with my very life you know, and not just with my words. Um, so, so I think, I think that's one of the beauties of, of the church's sexual teaching is that it's, it's meant to be an expression in act, what is already known in words. And the, and the, a lot of people miss that. It's interesting. It doesn't say here now, Go to your parish priest and he'll tell you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not. A, it's not they have to come to me and I have to set the standards for them. I, I help them in prudently uh, discerning, right. but then they are the ones who are called together with the Lord to then decide that. And so it, it, it really it really enacts the freedom, engages the freedom of that person's well formed conscience to then discern this well. And, and so it's, it, it's interesting that. You know, so I think people think of this as like, oh, I have to go to Father. No, no, mm. no. You go to God the Father, and yes, the spiritual fathers will help in the forming of conscience and if you're not sure of things. But in the end, 
as the couples have come to me, I've said, no, the, the Lord has given this to you to, to discern you know, with all the things that you've brought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and I think, you know, we, we often talk, I mean, I, you know, that I, sometimes we get into church speak uh, with with this next next kind of couple paragraphs or so when we we say that every marital act needs to be both unitive and procreative, right? Which is like exactly true <laughs> and also sometimes less than helpful, right? Um, so how, how when, you know, somebody who's maybe hearing that for the first time, like, I mean, I, I, I mean, I kind of have my way of doing it, but sometimes I, I know even I'm looking at people's faces going like, oh, I'm speaking too high and it's too late. I'm already on a roll. Um, but, <laughs> but when you, when you jump into that, that, okay, this, this marital act is meant to always be unitive and, and procreative. What does that mean? Um, because I think sometimes people hear it and, and a question I get often is like, what does that mean? If I can't have a child, then I have to refrain. And like, that's not it. <laughs> you know, um, so so how do you how do you usually explain? Yeah, just that you know, certainly there shouldn't be anything artificial between the man and the woman. That that this is a truly an engagement of the of the of the whole body, the whole self uh, in love, mind, body, and spirit, giving the other to the other, um, and that uh, there is that still that openness to life, even when when one is using natural means to recognize that. Hey, we're not as fruitful. The chances of having a a, a birth at this, uh, this not birth. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> of conception at this time would be much more limited, uh, much less chance of a chance that one can still engage then in that time because there's still an openness and there's still a chance. Uh, but we're but we're open to that and we're we're recognizing that 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 this is fulfilling love. This is an expression of love to the other, and a reception of that love and that. Uh, that we're still open to life, you know, because the Lord can still bring that about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I think you know, I we, you know, I know my own grandmother got married at like seventy years old, right? And I people kind of laugh about it, but it's like, you're like, wait a second, I thought that you know, a marriage had to be open to life. There's no way that a seventy year old woman's mm-hmm. going to have a child. And it's like, well, first off, there is a way. Uh, with God, all things are possible. So <laughs> keep that in your back yep, pocket. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think I think more important sometimes when we talk about you know every act has to be unitive and procreative. When we talk about you know every marriage has to be open to children, we're we're not always saying with great probability. <laughs> you know that that mm-hmm. I think um, you know we because because even you know we we just have to kind of say that like the church is teaching. Is 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 not stupid, <laughs> you know. It's not. It, we're not trying to claim that, um, you know, that everything has to be about a miracle or whatever. But, you know, it just means you have to have the right parts. You know, you know everything has to be functioning so that if God wants to work, He will. Because um, because the problem with artificial means of of contraception or of or you know uh, or anything of that sort. Um, is that we're we're cutting off God's God's normal way of working and um, and demanding a miracle, which is prideful, <laughs> you know, for for a child to come, you, you know, even though that's exactly what we're working against. But like, you know, the whole idea is that we need to make sure that we're letting God's natural means of uh, His normal means of working work, um, and you know, from there we go. So, in that, we should, you know. Turning to maybe what most most would say is the the crux of this document, although I don't think that's fair, is is this 
paragraph 14, where it talks about unlawful birth control methods. And I always love when the, when the Pope gets to do his thing, you know, when he gets to like say hard, cause, cause like you just realize like, like in little details, how, how, you know, you almost feel like a spiritual move of like when you're reading like him using his authority, cause you're just like, right. Pope St. Paul the sixth, like, you know, it's not just you, <laughs> you know, like it's not, it's not because, you know, Paul the sixth is, is a, is a big bad man. He's like, I draw on the authority of my forebears. I draw on the, the authority of the Virgin Mary of Jesus Christ and of my, and it's just like, wow. you like, go man. Well, that's why, that's why that title, the servant of the servants of Christ. He's a servant to the teachings of our Lord. Mm. He's not the commander in that way. He doesn't, he's, he's not a, some type of uh, <clears throat> God or something, you know, he's a servant to the church's teachings and what he's, what's been handed on to him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's it is, is the way he describes it. You know, he says, we base our words on the first principles of a human and Christian doctrine of marriage. And we'll kind of skip ahead just a little bit just for the sake of time, equally to be condemned as the magisterium of the church has affirmed on many occasions, right? Like he keeps going back to that exact idea of like, this isn't because I, I will it. This isn't, this isn't just about me anymore. This is about what the church, because it was founded by Jesus Christ, has always been saying. And this is just to clarify in this moment what what was um, in front of us. So basically, he he says, uh, no du- no direct interruption of the generative process. So that's any type of contraception, whether oral or physical. Above all, all direct abortion, even for therapeutic reasons, are to be absolutely excluded. Uh, and equally condemned is direct sterilization, whether man or woman, permanent. Or temporary, um, and then at the moment of or after sexual intercourse, um, is specifically intended to prevent procreation. So, so that's kind of is that, you know, we're, it's a. It, I think what is trying to be built up in in this, and and maybe, kind of bringing it back not just to the physical, physical and material, but to the spiritual, is that the Pope is saying like keep making an act of trust. In, in your marriage, in in your fruitfulness, because, I mean, I, I, you know, I remember one of the really sh- striking things that kind of comes in, like, every once in a while, on like, a editorial page is, like, the talk of the oil crisis, right, and, and you're just like, okay, yeah, we're in an oil crisis, you know, gas is $3 a gallon around here, so it's a little higher than it really should be, but, like, you know, it's because we're running out of oil. Well, just like we were running out of oil in 1991, just like we were running out of oil in 1974, just like we were running out of oil, and, and it went back until 1875, you know, that we were, we've been running out of oil since we discovered that we could use it, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, and I think it's kind of one of these things where it's like, that's what we do as humans. On a, on a very natural level, we panic, you know, when things aren't easy, we immediately just fall apart, you know, that's why scripture has so many great examples of perseverance, and of trusting the Lord will provide, um, and it's and I, and not to say that these are fun experiences <laughs> for sure, but rather that that it is a great act of trust in God's providence um, throughout this is what's being kind of cultivated um, by following the church's teaching. That's the freedom that's being. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you're going to move into it pretty soon, but uh, just the predictions of Paul the Six have oh, really yeah. brought this out because what do we see? So many, so much of Europe and including the United States, uh, with birth rates that are under replacement levels, which are going to cause a great economic stress on the world economy, but especially those individual com- economies in the in the Western world. 
um, if it weren't for immigration in this country, and, and not mm-hmm. just legal immigration, but even illegal immigration, um, our numbers would be quite a bit lower than uh, what we need uh, to sustain our economy and, and take care of the elderly, because that's the thing, too. Many of these countries are facing huge numbers of, of elderly who will not, and they don't have the, they're not going to have the economic means nor the, the manpower uh, to keep things going to take care of them. Yeah. I mean, not, you know, not that it's still a good policy by any means, but China had to actually switch. They've had the one child policy for decades, I think. And, yep. and they just finally removed that and said, okay, fine, fine. We, we realized that this was a huge mistake in part because of the culture there. So they would actually kill a lot of uh, baby girls. Yeah. And so they literally, they're, not, they're like recognizing like, and we're going to be in huge trouble because we literally can't reproduce because we don't have enough women to do it. Japan, I think, has under a 1%. Every couple has less than one child. It's, it's Western Europe is right behind it's, them. Is, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, it's, They're it's, still a little bit higher, yeah. but it's, 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 it's an issue. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, especially, especially the, the sex ratio of birth for a lot of these countries that you pointed out with the, with the, infanticide in China, North Korea, things like that. But the, let's be honest, guys, the, the the women are the ones who take care of, you know, grandma and mom. It's not, it's a, that's it's usually a, not the son. It's a double yeah. issue, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, and then, and then, you know, as you mentioned, Father, the, the Pope makes a, a pro, kind of a prophetic statement of what's going to happen if we turn to this contraceptive mentality of using artificial means, and I, if I remember, he di- he makes four four kind of big predictions, um, and and um, so you know, yeah, and, and I think one of them is is you know just the the lack of being able to hold up the moral law when it comes. The first one is the lack of of especially the young holding up to the moral law of of the church, especially in terms of sexuality, just by having the, the normality of, of artificial means of conception. And like, I mean, I don't think we, I don't think I'm going to shock anybody with this, but there's a huge pornography problem in, in every aspect of our culture and even inside the church. Right. Um, and I wish I, one thing that did shock me and, and, and it's really scary to think about, but the average age of a child being exposed to pornography is 11 years old. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I'm going to turn to sixth grade. I mean, it's just, yeah. And, and, and there's a lot of reasons for it and it's a lot more hidden, you know, I, I mean, um, that than, than it ever has been, but like, it's just so disgusting to think about that. Like, like if, if I think if I, you know, most people really understood that we'd be fighting a lot harder for it. But I, I think when we, we're like, oh, kids will be kids. Well, yeah, because we've lost what what sexuality is about. You know that that underlying, um, and that, and, that, and that there's an inevi- you know there's even the seemingly inevitability. Um, you even see this with uh, parents and taking their daughters to you know see the gynecologist or whatever mm. the doctor for when they first when they start having their period and 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 the doctor immediately now says, oh, of course you're gonna take these pills and, and start them immediately. And yeah. the effects that's happening in our, and, you know, talk about the environment, <laughs> the environmental effects alone um, are, are not fully measured yet, yeah. but we can see the effects on, on animal populations and things as these chemicals, mm-hmm. which are not natural and which are, are in fact seeking to do the unnatural mm-hmm. to a, a young woman's body um, are having effect even environmentally on our, on our, on our world. Yeah. And, and that kind of points to the second effect that the Pope points out, which is that basically 
it will the we will forget the reverence due to a woman and disregard her physical and emotional equilibrium, reducing her to being a mere instrument for the satisfaction of man's own desire. Right? That that we we basically just say just don't do what you're naturally supposed to do. <laughs> you're you if you know you're just just be an object to me, and and it's you know and not to say it's it didn't happen before 1968. You know that's that's a ridiculous claim, but it's hard to say that it hasn't gotten worse. Um, you know, even even things like you know we we look back and we almost mock the homemaker of the 1950s, right? Because we we've lost what what some of that genius was. Uh, uh, you know that. Um, like that, that is a, uh, it is a great gift to the family and to culture to have that, that mother who rears children well. And, and now it's just like, well, no, cause you're not like a man, you know, you're not, you're not out there to, to make money and win and be the breadwinner. You're basically second rate. And, and it, it's, it's very troubling, I think, uh, to really be able to, to not have that, that recognition of like the specific genius of, of the woman, um, that actually Pope John Paul II spent a lot of time, a lot of time, yeah. Um, and then and then he warns of of what happens with governments. Uh, you know, we already mentioned China's one-child policy, but but I think we see it all over the place of of the overreach of of political power into into the the moral law into and into the bedroom, <laughs> um, uh, and. And so anyway, so they basically, you know, he's, he's warning against that overreach, um, into, into, uh, the family life. Great. <coughs> so, so, uh, but I think it is important, I think, as we're kind of talking about, you know, what is the, the, you know, the hope of the church is, is to create kind of a self-discipline, right. And, and being able to you know, and, and actually live out chastity, um, even within marriage, which I think is shocking when people have really bad, I think it's funny, people have really bad explanation of what chastity is, and they think it's abstinence. And so when, if we, if we got to get out of that mindset, yes. <laughs> and, and once we do that, then, then people will hear and be like, oh yeah, chastity is, um, is, is part of, uh, part of what I'm supposed to do, no matter what my vocation is, you know? Somebody, I, 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 I don't do it, but the, um, there was a blog on, on Reddit for you know, Catholics or whatever, and I was on it, and they were like, all these priests aren't living their celibacy. And I almost responded back, yes, they are. They're, they're living celibacy perfectly. None of them are married. You know, that's all that means. You know, I'm like, they're wildly unchaste <laughs> and, and, you know, mortally sinning for sure. But, like, it's not a, it's, we have to use our words well because otherwise, we, we don't know how to actually promote what God wants. Exactly. And that, uh, so many people just young, especially young people now, they, they, they've never heard of this, you know, they've, they've not been taught. And it's interesting. The instruction for, um, preparing, uh, people for marriage says that really should have begun much earlier. Mm. Right. And that we have to think of that. Parents have to think of that, that it has to begin early on. Uh, the uh, an understanding of chastity at the proper age, an understanding of, of what marriage is. Otherwise, it gets mutated, and that's what's happened in the larger society. You know, one of the most striking things to this document, to me, and I haven't read every encyclical, in every encyclical ever written, that being said, 
this strikes me more, especially in the later part that we can't cover because of time, but mm-hmm. it's more of a conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, he act, then he goes on to talk about and to you public officials mm-hmm. and to you doctors and nurses mm-hmm. and to you married couples and to you scientists. You know, it, it almost like a um, you know a targeted explanation of of why yeah. it is. And and you know, I don't. It's like I said, it just struck me as a conversation more than something. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know. It is. It is. It's and it's an ongoing thing, and it's a practice that needs to kind of continue. And it, and there's a certain art to it, you know, that 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 to live chastity well in whatever our vocation is. And I think you know, oftentimes, you know, we talk about the contraceptive mentality, and um, that kind of has come up a lot of times when, in, especially amongst good Catholic couples who use natural family planning (NFP), and. Um, and I, I, I'm, I am of the mindset, and and you can disagree. Um, but I think it's really hard to practice NFP and have a truly contraceptive mentality because it is like real work, you know, and it is a respect for, for the natural means of the body. Yes. You're trying to refrain from having children. You're allowed to, (laughs) you know, um, but you can't, you can't take shortcuts because that, that makes, that turns us inwards when we're, we're doing it in, in dialogue and in respect. Is that, and, and that it calls the couple to really work together and that, you know, other types of love, the expression of love should increase mm. in those in those times, in those fertile times when they are seeking at that time because of because of having discerned well that hey, this is this is a, a time to use natural means. Well, then I must increase the love, and I, and I've, and couples I've worked with, you know, that they speak about this as a as such a beautiful thing, especially for a number of women have said when their husbands then do that extra those extra kind and loving things or just do the thing they're supposed to do, mm-hmm. how much, how powerful that is as an expression of love, not because they're seeking to receive something right. that they desire, naturally desire. And, and when the husbands are, are especially being loving in, 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 in the proper physical ways that, that one can be with one's spouse um, during those infertile, during those fertile times, um, it can be just speak so powerfully to the wife and, and back from the wife to the husband yeah. and bring a, a deeper union between the two. And I've seen this in just so many couples I've worked with and, and over the years from, from when they were engaged and now as their parents of, of, of families um, and, and speaking to that in spiritual direction has been really beautiful. I mean, there's there's a telling statistic, and, and I know there's there's multiple factors, and so we've got to be careful with, with, with it, but that, that couples that use NFP within marriage have something like a less than 5% divorce rate. And that's like in a culture where we have over 50% divorce rate for marriages, not for people. Um, that's, that's pretty remarkable, you know, to be able to say like it, it, cause it forces you out of yourself, I think, and it forces you to truly love. And so just as a promotion, I think we actually are having uh, a natural family planning class at sacred heart in the upcoming weeks. I'm actually not, I don't quite remember the date, I don't remember the dates either, but it should be coming up. Soon. So you'll see it in a flock note and probably a pulpit announcement, everything we possibly can do to make sure that people know about it, to see like what, what's so beautiful about this teaching. You know, the, the, it, it is difficult. Sure. Um, but, but name the last thing that was truly worthwhile. That was easy. <laughs> now sometimes the things stumble in, but you worked hard to get to that stumble in case. August 14th, August 14th, 10 a.m. There we go. Awesome. See, this is why we have Bill. <laughs> That's right. Good job, Bill. He does all the, he does all the hard, work, hard work. We just sit here and talk. Real quick. Uh, you mentioned um, encyclicals. Uh, they're not, while they're not written weekly, it, they're not obviously, you know, we don't, we don't go decades between encyclicals. Do you foresee the next big, if you want to say, we'll just use the word for lack of a better term, controversial. Do you see it being 
addressing something in the sci- in the science. Mm. Mm. I was thinking like cloning or or what what would be the next response that would have to, you know, totally put you on the spot. Yeah, really. <laughs> that does. Uh, I I I I've not heard. Well, Scott, if you were going to write as oh, if I were going to write today, oh, yeah. what would it be on? Yeah, it'd definitely be on a lot of the gender issues okay. um, because it's just uh, the confusion's growing and. Uh, but it has to be in a language like this document that really speaks in a very, ba- you know, very basic, easily understood language, um, <clears throat> and that uh, really appeals to the good and, and just so much like this encyclical. And it has to be short, yeah. <laughs> because uh, the far majority of people don't read these massive tomes, and and even when they do, they feel a lot of times people tell them they're confused and there's just too much in there. So I think uh, very directly targeted. Um, particularly dealing, I think, with a lot of the gender issues are going to be important because that's uh, a lot of young people I talk to now who are leaving the church or thinking of leaving the church. It's over these issues. They feel the church is cruel and mean and 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 and, and unloving and in fact even hateful. And actually, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. We tell you this: these truths of who the human person was made to be and why they were made, uh, so that you can love more and so that you can give more and have true freedom. But that's been obscured by the wider society and by so much of what's in the social media. Okay. Prayer? Yeah. All right. Let's entrust our prayers to the Blessed Virgin. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.